Well, hey, folks. Welcome. Well, here we are, the Not Necessarily Mad podcast with me, Eric Hollinsworth, and G.B. Meyer. Thanks for joining us. In this episode of Not Necessarily Mad, G.B. and I discussed the state of live music and asked the question, is live music dead? So let's get right to it. Hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Had good. a good day today. Right on. Had day job not, like, zap you completely? It didn't zap me, and there were storms in the afternoon. I, re- I always really enjoy that in the summertime. It's one of those uh, little pleasures. Right. We, we Down where we are, we got we got a big shot of that this afternoon, about 2 oh, o'clock, yeah. and, and yeah. just kept going and rolling through about every 20 minutes or so a new one was coming through. It was nice. Because uh, when that happens, I'm I'm in in a fairly rural area, and yeah. and when storms like that come through, you you usually lose electricity at least a little bit. So the <laughs> the computer was shut down, uh-huh. TV's off. I'm just watching it rain. It was it was a nice little break. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It makes me nostalgic for the drill we used to go to go through when I was a kid. Yeah, oh, everybody out of the shower and cut the TV <laughs> off. Unplug it. Don't get near that phone. Oh, y'all had one too. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, every Southern grandmother's refrained uh, during the summer. Right. Don't you take a bath now. Grandma wasn't. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's fine. I knew a kid whose grandma made him put on uh, shower shoes and a, and a rubber bathing cap. Wow. But yeah that's anyway. a whole, that's a whole other episode it is I think, right it there. is it is so in our in our uh little pre-show chat and, and yeah. deciding on what we were talking about today you know with with everything that's going on and it's not totally about covid but that is a big part of what drives me to this this idea of, of conversation but the social unrest and other things that are going on in our in in our world right now it you know and Mostly self-preservation-wise, because a great deal of my income is derived from performing live. And yeah. We, we, we came up with this idea or this question, is live music dead? Yeah, and you know when you put that out there, I think we agreed, since I had clarifying questions, that we already knew right there that that was something we should talk about while we were uh, having a real call. And I have... I, I have some questions on your actual thought around that. Okay. So, and I think, so I think that here's the deal. You know, we are in a, we are in a context of COVID-19. We're in the context of 2020. And I think that you meant it with that immediate context, but right. I think that there are other things too, you know, we're, yeah, with the exception of some genres of music and ones that we like, I mean, we are in a bit of a post-performer world uh, driven by, you know, featured recording artists right. with auto-tuner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right? Yeah. And if, you, if you listen to pop music, yeah, and, and some other things, but yeah. Yeah. So um, so the, the biggest markets of music have not been, I think, particularly geared toward um, the performance schedule as a, as a primary thing. It's really more about getting the, the, the new track out there digitally. Right. Yeah, but I think that you know the most popular music, uh, uh, the most popular music uh, that I enjoy is the kind that you see performed, and it's in venues that I can only imagine would be struggling right now. And yeah. 
I don't know if maybe that's what you were thinking about was that challenge that we have right now without continuous and effective testing that's readily available, how you, how you run things inside of a venue. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's funny you say that. Um, one of the bands that I work with, Flat Five, um, is scheduled to do a concert in the very near future, within a couple of weeks. And this is this venue. It's a it's a small arts uh, community in one mm-hmm. of the counties around the Lynchburg area, and it's an old converted church. And they do uh, performances throughout the year in it, and they have you know uh, visual art projects that go on in there and classes. And it's a really cool place to play. But they're also trying to figure this out. Sure, and and, it, and it's hard because I think part of it is with any um, local arts council like that, mm-hmm. you're going to have some technology challenges just due to, and I hate, 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 hate the OK Boomer thing, but <laughs> when it comes to technology, you, you look at these people and you just go, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and they're trying to figure out how to do a live feed and how do we do music and how do we do it safely with distance and this and that. And, you know, these are all questions that other venues, because I'm friends with uh, one of the fellows that, well, actually, he runs the Five Point Sanctuary. And, you know, we chat every once in a while or or say hey on, on social media and have a quick conversation. And, you know, and following him and, and Five Point Sanctuary, I saw where they have worked out their social distancing concerts. And they've partnered with uh, outdoor venues. Um, they've partnered with the city of, of, of Roanoke mm-hmm. uh, to block streets off for uh, a social distance event. And they've figured out, you know, safe spacing and how to make sure everybody's safe. And they've tied it up very neatly with a bow down to the marketing of it. And then you have other folks, like the folks I was talking about before that, that are still struggling to find a way to make it happen. And, you know, as far as the the bar scenes and restaurants where, you know, I'm not going to lie, a good portion of my income comes from playing in these kind of places. Yeah. They're just not. Um, even, you know, with, uh, with us being in, I guess we're phase three now, where right. restaurants can operate at 50% capacity or 250 people, whichever one is larger, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, they're just not taking that risk. And, and I don't really blame them. And what it, what it has done, and I think you and I kind of talked about this for, for the first, oh, what, two or three weeks of, of the uh, lockdown situation, um, all the performers that we knew were doing what we, what we you and I jokingly call the, uh, the hand from the camera shot. It's like before <laughs> right. they strike a note or say hello to their Facebook friends, you yeah. just see a big hand coming from the camera. And they were trying to make do and do the best they could with the situation. And as we've moved further and further away from that, it's, it's, it's died off. So I think, you know, as a perf- looking at it as purely as a performer, is, is live music dead? No, but it's on life support. We're trying to find non-traditional ways to still play live. So let's go back to your what, what you were talking about with Five Points. Now, Five Points is the venue that's in the old church that you were referencing, right? Uh, well, actually, both of the places are both in old churches, which is it's kind of an, uh, becoming an industry standard, I think. Oh, interesting. Um, there are a lot of churches. Uh, Bedford has one. Uh-huh. Uh, Lynchburg has a couple of these old churches that have 
been decommissioned by their parishioners and sold off. And people have bought them and turned them into either venues or living situations or both. Sure, and, yeah. And, and so that both Five Points and this other place are, are both old churches. So Five Points has a purpose beyond just being a venue, and I wonder if that helps in terms of allowing them to build new partnerships and structure the idea of why it's important to come to them as a venue. I, I think they do, and and that I mean, if I were if I were giving somebody an example of how a non for profit works with both um, revenue generating shows and and their mission, that would be the yeah. one. And, sure, and you know personally, I'm seeing a lot of venues that are trying to figure out how to do this. I mean, there are breweries around, and I know you've got some up your way that are all outdoor or yeah. mostly outdoor, and they're they're figuring out, hey, if we're smart about this and and we do this the right way, this can happen. We can have live music, but it's not. It's not nearly like it was before. Yeah. So, what has Five Points figured out in terms of partnering with um, with with the outdoor space? What does that look like for them? Well, it it just it it takes what would be a normal Five Points crowd, uh huh, which can be anywhere from like I think they said three to five hundred if they pack everybody in and it's tight in their normal situation. I, I could be wrong on that. I'm I'm going on memory. Yeah. And it ain't what it used to be. <laughs> um, but. Um, they um, they are finding outdoor spaces that would accommodate roughly that same size of their shows, maybe a little smaller. Um, that will you know they're not looking for them to be a host all the time. They're they're rotating it around and they're uh-huh. doing like that, and they're nowhere near the schedule that they were before. Um, sure, but they're still trying to do, and and I'm seeing you know. I, I keep an eye on it because it's it's part of my livelihood, but I'm seeing more and more places finding non-traditional ways of doing stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's got to be hard to plan for something where it's ticket-driven and you have a particular size, a particular price that you know that you can hit, and an, an expectation of how many people will show up. Right. Um, and, and I think bars are in that same situation too, bars and restaurants. They... <laughs> They're 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 working on a on a on a mathematical equation as well. Yeah. So bars and and restaurants kind of move into a different space uh, in, in terms of like I think what we're uh, what the new challenge is because in some respects without having new ways to draw you to the restaurant you might go eat somewhere else. So if they're going to open and they're going to try to stay open, they actually have to figure out if they can expand into something like, hey, here's a reason to come eat here. This is some music. Right. Um, But it doesn't change, I'm sure, the challenge of actually, you know, musicians finding that as a a ready and steady uh, gig. Right. I'm wondering, so, yeah, I got a question for you on that, which is also, I mean, do you anticipate that some of the some of the restaurant offers of what they would want to pay you or how they would pay you or you know food only and also you know uh, I don't know barter I mean does that change up too No I don't think so because the restaurants know that the musicians are like them it's like yeah you can feed me and that's that's great but that doesn't pay my rent and that right. doesn't make my car payment and that doesn't okay. put you know, food in my fridge later on. And and it, it, what little I've had trickle in in the last couple of weeks when we finally got to phase three, it's they've been very accommodating. And 
Um, oh, that's nice. It 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 is, and and the pay really hasn't changed, but the pay wasn't that great to start with. I mean, <laughs> I'm I, sorry. I, I, well, I've been doing I've I've been a professional or semi pro on and off pretty much my adult life, and I'm getting paid pretty much the same as I was in the '90s. So it's <laughs> you know yeah, um, and but I'm not complaining because again doing doing okay but um the restaurants respect that i think more so than some of the other venues that are trying to well we're doing you a favor by having a show so that you can get out and play kind of ideas um you know especially the ones that are the ticket driven and if you don't if people don't show you're not getting an income flow coming in yeah so when I was a kid and uh, briefly lived outside of San Francisco, we used to go in and you would see street musicians in the late 70s uh, who would busk. And it was certainly more than just subway busking. I mean, it was, you know, like what you find in New Orleans where people mm-hmm. are, are playing well, you know, well outside of what you would get uh, with a typical free experience. Uh, with digital and, you know, maybe people putting a, an, a Venmo address on a whiteboard next to their hat. I mean, can you imagine that there are new opportunities to make money that way directly with people passerby? Um, I do, but I don't think it's physical anymore. Yeah. Um, I think it is more of these YouTube uh, or Facebook live streams or concert events that are you know primarily driven from a website somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and and having virtual tipping that way. Um, flat five has a backup plan for if the stuff with the smaller group in, in the, in the Lynchburg area kind of falls through, we're going to go ahead. Uh, we have the technology and the personnel to help to do our own live stream in a very, prof- what we feel would be a professional way. It's going to look nice. And, yeah. and we've been talking about this basically since day one of this it's like you know we we should we should stream we should do you know a couple of streaming concert type things and i think we all had a a hope that it was not going to be as long as it has been yeah (laughs) that makes sense oh oh it makes sense yeah yeah so now we're we're reevaluating the thoughts that we have and we're like yep that it, we might as well get it done because we're not going to have too many other opportunities or at least the opportunities that we normally have to uh to perform take advantage of whatever we can and you know we're we're efforting to set up venmo paypal and all that stuff for virtual tips mm-hmm. you know, uh any and every way we can but you know i think that's as far as street busking, I think that's always going to be there. But it, again, it's supply and demand. If you if you're busking on a street that only has three people every ten minutes walk by, is it really worth it? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a great question, and I'm wondering then if there's a couple of restaurants and you find the right corner, um, you might not be able to play the restaurant, but you might be able to play for the people that are the foot traffic there. I'm well, just wondering. It really, I think, depends. Like to your point, on what is the foot traffic. Right, and and we I, I played with a group early on that uh, we played basically in on the sidewalk next to the parking lot of a pizza place, and it was a good time. And you know they fed us, and there was a little gas money involved. But it was it was about three weeks in, and we were all excited to get out and do something. I think, and uh, we just played basically for the ten minutes people were driving up and picking up their pizza to go. 
they got music. And I so think that's awesome. It was, you know, yeah. they, they might have heard one full song, and then, you know, some people would pull over in the parking lot and sit on the hood of their car and listen for a few minutes, and then drive off. And it, it was a great experience. But it, I think we're looking more at those type of situations as far as foot traffic and whatnot, as opposed to, you know, we we both have inhabited the Charlottesville area for one reason or another, right? And and know how the um, the mall is there sure yeah with the buskers and there's a there's a ton a load of foot traffic normally in this outdoor mall area and now i don't think it's fiduciarily it doesn't work anymore because you're not seeing that kind of traffic and and health wise you know i've I've heard a bunch (laughs) of musicians that are just like yeah you know what i don't I miss it, but I don't miss it that much. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stay home till this is all done with, and I really don't don't feel like going out. Yeah. So, do you think that um, do you think that we're looking at uh, this as a a change of how um, of how we're experiencing that live music performed going forward? Well, I mean, I mean, is is might- this going to be like airport? Uh, processing changed after 9-11 you know uh, threats different of course but but you get my idea that is you know uh, something systemic had to change and how people experience something as simple as going to the airport uh, is quite different now than what it was before it it is and and for me I think that that might be a better question you answer because for me it really doesn't change other than my spacing on stage and the availability of gigs. Yeah. And you know, I, and that kind of is driven by what are you as a consumer of what I'm laying out? What are you willing to deal with? Yeah, yeah right. Um, you know, um and I think it's like any other uh, place where people assemble, right? I mean, if, without there being, uh, without there being a new level of of easy and rapid testing, um, and where there is um, a, a social agreement on what on what face masks look like and when they're needed and when they're not, um, you know, and honestly maybe even an evolution of things like face masks if they're required for another six months eight months 24 months who knows becoming you know friendlier to you know uh, uh, transparency expression kind you know comfort of wear um, so all of these things are just you know weird parts of how we're living right now and candidly Eric you know I'm not ready to get into a room with people you know who are there to enjoy music but maybe also enjoy uh, you know, uh, more than a couple of beers and uh, and get in my space. And I don't think that makes me superstitious. I think it makes me like a lot like other people who are out there. So I get the challenge that you must be be having right now. it 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 is. and and we as musicians are facing that same challenge. It's like i'm I'm at a point with a group that I play with that a lot of the places they're playing in are not always following standards when it comes yeah. to face masks and yeah. stuff like that. Now, I feel safe enough because with this group, I'm playing drums and I'm behind a drum set, which means nobody gets within six feet of me anyway. But <laughs> and I and I do mask up on the way in, way out, you know, right. as I'm loading up and and passing people. And yeah, um, you know, it's I I do think about that. I do think about my my physical safety in doing that. 
um, we're, we're having a, a lot of discussions with one of the colleges that I, I teach at about are we going to truly do in person? How does this look? How does it feel? How do we make it work? Are we do we have the fallback to doing uh, online lessons and, and teaching? And you know, I, I think it's it's stuff we're all asking, and it boils down, I think, to comfort. Yeah, um, and and I'll I'll ask you are are we at a point where it's not going to be comfortable to go out to see into a live venue to see performances? Uh, you know, um, so here's it's a great question, and I think here's where I'm coming down on that, right? And I think it's just one of it's it's two things that are that are interplaying. One is that we are not comfortable right now socially and how we interact socially and in assemblies of, you know, more than a couple of people or, you know, in, in inside four walls. And we're still negotiating what that looks like. But I also think even when you take out the fact that I'm a person who really enjoys music performed live, music as an experience where people enjoy it together goes back to when people could clack two rocks together. Right. Um, it's part of who we are as people. It's not just something we enjoy listening to. It's something we enjoy listening to together. You know, there's something about music being performed and, and experiencing it together that is part of our musical DNA as, as people. Right. Well, it's, a, it's that, that need to be in a, we jokingly call it the, the tribe. <laughs> right. You yeah. Know, you have your tribe of, of folks, and and I think that's that's so genetically built into us that I don't think that that might be the hardest thing that people are going through right now. Yeah, I think it is. And you know, to your question, then where how those two things resolve against each other is yeah, I think something that just plays out with uh, testing and the availability of. Um, of, of more than availability, I think just people feeling comfortable going out and right. and being around each other. So, um, uh, yeah, I do know this. It, it's got to be hard running a venue not knowing where. Uh, you know, listen to me. I sound really flaky, not non-committal. You right. know, uh, if I buy a ticket, will I still show up, or will something make me feel a little hinky about the whole thing at the last minute, or will something else interrupt my plans? Right, uh, or or do we do we step back in our in our phasing of of moving back to phase two to where it's better safe at home type yeah. thing? And you know, I I think ultimately right now it's all in such a a, a stage of flux in we really don't know how to make long distance plans. I mean, usually by this time of year, I'm scheduled through the summer. Uh, I've already, I'm already receiving contracts for Christmas time stuff. Right. And now it's like, I've got mm, a handful of weddings that I'm playing at between now and then that are like <laughs> social distance weddings are very small. Wow. And very few opportunities to play with the jazz band or the rock bands or whatever, just because. And and it, I think it, it truly that not knowing is is the hardest thing because we all know what we would like to do. I'd like to be going to Lockin. I'd like to be going to Floyd Fest. You know, sure, or, sure, or st stuff like that. And they're not going to happen. So the, the festival season is, uh, at this point, a memory. 
So, you know, we're not having one this year. No, and it'll be the year that festivals forgot, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There will be ironic T-shirts of, I was at the festival of 2020, and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. those Our, of us old enough to remember will be in on the joke. Yeah, I had tickets to a 2020 festival or something like that. <laughs> so, T-shirt machine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be hard to, you know, is, you know, we're not even out of the summer, but to that, you know, that whole weird ambiguity we're in, and you being a musician, I know that the holidays are a time where people have music around. Right, and and you know, yes, I'm I'm starting to get a few contracts in, but about half of what I usually have at this time of year, and I'm getting the email saying, "Could you hold these dates without the contract? Because we just don't know what's going to happen." And you know, I'm I'm trying to be as flexible as I can, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's strange for, I think it's strange for everybody, not just the musicians, but the people that hire the musicians, the people that go and see the musicians, you know, all that stuff is, it's just like you said, that ambiguity of time and not, not really knowing. Yeah. Um, it does allow, um, the, I, I think the upside is what you were talking about with the, the live streaming and getting into digital. And it, it allows bands to begin exploring, um, if they can, what kind of new asymmetrical ways they can find to get themselves out there and right. uh, be in front of people, you Agreed. know? Well, you know, with the, with the, I'm a big fan of the jam scene. And, yeah. and live video of performance is um has always been there it's been a very secondary thing um yeah it was almost like man i wish i was at that show or you know whatever uh and it and it i think that's part of the of that festival tribe you know that's that's been an accepted thing and i'm and i'm seeing a lot more of less i'm seeing a lot more of the pro shot we're doing this for reels type thing yeah 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 multi-camera shots and less of the hey we were just in the studio and we set up a camera and played yeah you know people are starting to put more effort into that and i think it's because they realize that that's going to be their their basic modality for for at least the next bit you know if they want to perform they're going to have to do they're going to have to produce it themselves video it and put it out there for consumption that way or in a live feed type situation yeah i think you nailed it it's an entirely new modality and uh and it's being explored in new and creative and even serious ways and it's you know it's it's cool to see i'm glad you guys in uh flat five are exploring it because me too uh, you know it's you know it's kind of funny um you know we we talked a couple episodes back about the how um how videos had had gone the way of the dodo or whatever yeah. analogy yeah. you want to make for extinction and and now all of a sudden we're building a whole new idea of of what music videos are as as it goes to live performance right so as we talked about i think the earliest video concept that was not artistic it was about bringing you know bringing the concert to the person who could not attend right uh, but that was long before, you know, the uh, the digital access. Um, it was very much in way, way back in an analog world. What well, you know, you and I, you and I said this a couple of times now. It's like the great thing about this is everybody has the opportunity to do it. The bad thing about this is everybody has the opportunity to do it. We get to see everybody's hand. Exactly. Um, 
but you know, I, I I do think though that it is a reemergence of the of the visual aspects of of music. We have gotten used to seeing our performers, um, small venue, large venue, or whatever, what have you, or you know, mega stars at the at the big civic centers and arenas. We've gotten this idea that it's 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 more than just the music. It is a you know, especially in the jam scene, and and I guess so, even more so with the pop stuff. I mean, every every concert tour is an event. Yeah, and and yeah, we as consumers have gotten used to these events and these visuals that go along with the music, and when they're taken away, we're looking for the substitute. Sure. So that's one of the things I was thinking about. We hadn't talked about uh, was. Um Live music has big venue and small venue flavors, no matter no matter what genre. And there's an energy with the big venue, big production, uh, big turnout um, experience that is really hard to duplicate without being there. Right. And um, well, you know, it's an energetic transfer. And sure. And, and when musicians are left on their own devices they have to create that energy within themselves and within their group and it's hard we we do feed off the audience uh whether you're talking about you know our, our favorite restaurant in lynchburg jimmy's on the james or <laughs> right. yeah or you know playing five points which is a little larger or playing in front of thirty six thousand people you know you 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 feed off of that and you you work with it and you give back what you receive and it's really hard when it's when it's a one-way street yeah so the the uh the small venue or even what i'll even call intimate performance is something that can probably operate in this new modality and find new new places i think it's going to be hard to uh to draw uh, to draw into something that even approximates that that energy transfer um, that you get in, from a big venue, uh, from a big venue, and I don't think that you can put on a big venue show uh, and you know try to record it uh, without there being that you know that full audience there, right. uh, carefree. Right. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be hard, and again, I I think it all goes back to comfort. You know, music has changed over the years. Even you know, I I, I talk like I've been in it for a long time, but you know, well. I guess 30, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, is a long, it's 30, been a while. Thirty years is a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, you know, lived through the advent of DJs. We thought that would be the end of live music. Sure. When karaoke came around, we said, "Oh, for the love of God, they're, they're actually <laughs> paying somebody to let them sing." That is the opposite <laughs> of what musicians do. What are we going to do to survive right. this? And we ended up surviving it. We found right. we found ways. We we re reinvented what we were doing. You know, used to I would I traveled in in the nineties and early two thousands with a variety band that was anywhere from seven to twelve people, depending on if we carried horns, and we quickly found out after the advent of of djs and and karaoke that we could no longer do that so we we became a five piece and did the larger band for special events and and whatnot and we we found that solution and and i'm sure musicians are entrepreneurial as much as anybody else and trying to figure stuff out and how to how to make it work 
so it it'll it'll be a matter of time and i think we're on that track now at least you know during what we're having to do with social distancing i think you know we we found the the watermark with with video with streaming or 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 video yeah so i think that you know to your thought then that you know live music will survive it's i don't think it's dead i think that it's changing and i think it's um i think it's taking it on the chin in a lot of respects and i right. think finding our way back to um uh the day-to-day experience of where we can find it of enjoying it at a restaurant or going to a big venue uh and enjoying that big energy transfer that you get from that i mean these are things to look forward to hopefully but um but uh, some of these things are, are going to be rarer than others, for sure. I, I think so, at least for the, the immediate future. And as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank those that have chosen to listen. Let your friends know that they can find the Not Necessarily Mad podcast in most places that you find your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Pandora, and many others, as well as our home at madfamworld.com. You can find a complete list of our podcast outlets, links to things we discuss, photos and extra podcast content on our Facebook page. Search for the Not Necessarily Mad podcast there. Stop by and give us a like. Stay safe.